Welcome to the Get Wisdom Monthly Podcast by Bishop Noah McLean. We pray that you are greatly blessed and receive wisdom from the Word of God. What a tremendous privilege it is again to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. I'm so grateful for the feedback that you have been sharing with us about how this online ministry has been blessing you and your family and um, do continue to pray for us and particularly for those who are working as part of our media team to just make this happen week after week so god bless you all i trust that you enjoyed our time of worship and you know the lord really laid a, a word on my heart that every now and then you kind of think you know this is the message that i could actually keep preaching to myself So over the next two weeks, I want to share a message with you about what happens when great men face fear. When great men face fear. So if you have your Bibles, loved ones, let's look into the Word of God, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, verse 10. And it says, fear not, I am with you. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Why don't we just pray? Father, thank you so much for your promise. You are a covenant-keeping God. You willingly give yourself to relationship with us. And Lord, we thank you that somehow, even though you are transcendent, you are still the friend that sticks closer than any brother. Lord, teach us, minister to us, And give us the strategies we need as great men and women to face and overcome every fear. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to, over the next couple of weeks, look at three areas that we see fear functioning in our lives. And we want to understand why they function specifically in those areas. We also want to look at the fact that sometimes the fears that we have are inextricably linked to our calling. In other words, from the moment you were called, from the moment that God began to reveal your specific assignment, you found yourself dealing with a fear that you hadn't dealt with before or hadn't faced before. And then we want to look at some of the strategies that men and women in Scripture used to overcome their fear. I think it's really important, and you know, we're not going to go into too much depth into this aspect, but to understand that fear is very much a core emotion. And it is for us, in many respects, a response. God has created us, he's crafted us 
in such a unique way that we are responsive beings. Even when you think about worship, the activity of worship is in response to the reality of who God is in our lives, the revelation of who he is. So we are designed to respond. And fear is one of those emotional responses we have normally in challenging situations. In fact, if we look at it in, in its natural sense, it's very much a biochemical reaction. So things start to happen within our bodies. And I started to think, Lord, you've made us in an incredible way to be able to respond to fear. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 verse 4, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The New Living Translation says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. In other words, God has created us physically. He has embedded into us biochemical reactions that allows us to deal with fear and to deal with stressful situations, whether that be those stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol and norepinephrine. These stresses, the, the, these hormones allow us to deal with life. Isn't God incredible? And for those of you who've been attending our Wholesome Minds um, support group, we've been looking at cortisol. We've been looking at the fact that cortisol levels increases more and more when we are faced with stressful situations. And just incredibly complex how God has made us and so precisely that the adrenal gland, which is normally just above the kidney area, releases the exact amount of cortisol that we need to deal with stressful situations, to deal with fear. And I just started to think, Lord, you have built into us specific mechanisms because you knew that whether you're unrighteous or whether you're righteous, whether you're saved or unsaved, every single person at some stage in their life is going to have to face fear. You know, those of you who have studied the brain will realize that one of the most important parts is this little gland, the pituitary gland. And when it's working, it knows precisely how to help us to deal with fearful situations. And I wanted to just start really by sharing a little bit of a testimony because sometimes as believers, we would imply that we should never experience fear or that fear should not be alive. It shouldn't be present because we're people of faith. I remember when my, my youngest daughter, 
um, was born. She's a twin. And a few hours uh, before she was due to be born, was in a hospital. And I remember the doctor said that they had some concerns because they could only hear the heartbeat of only one child. And I remember the technician saying, look, don't worry, we're going to change the probes, we're going to change the sensors, because even though it's unlikely that they're faulty, we'll change them. So they changed the sensors. They examined my wife, and they still said, we don't know how to tell you this, there is no heartbeat for the second child. Now, my background, um, before I got involved in ministry and therapy, um, was an engineering one. And I spent many years um, working on electrical devices, testing electronic equipment. And I went from being someone that was standing in faith, believing that we were going to be blessed with two beautiful girls. I went from that kind of posture to a place that I never, ever thought I would ever reach. It was a place of fear. And one of the reasons why I went to that place is because my engineering mind was saying, well, hold on, Noel, Uh, as a former engineer, uh, you know how unlikely is it that you would have two probes that are faulty? And it was as if my mind was running at 100 miles an hour. I went from the, the potential euphoria of having two beautiful girls added to our, our, our children, Alex and Sophia, and I was thinking, how would I deal with that? How would I be emotionally? And it took God to speak to my wife. You see, she didn't have the engineering background. She didn't have that an analysis of whether the probes, the probability of the probes being faulty or not. And she turned around with great gusto and said to the technician, I don't know what you might be saying or why you are saying these things, but I know that there are two children in my womb and they are alive. She said, you can use all the probes you want. I know that this child's alive. And thankfully, miraculously, to this day, we can't explain why they couldn't find the heartbeat. But it taught me a very important lesson. I didn't stop being a person who had faith. I didn't stop being a man of faith. But at that moment, I felt an overwhelming sense of fear that changed my perception and changed the way I was thinking. And I want to encourage you this morning that you are still a great man, still a great woman of God. But isn't it time for us to be really transparent and recognize that even though you might be superman and superwoman in the day, there are seasons of your life, there are moments, sometimes moments that no one else sees where you sense fear. 
So we want to look at the word over the next couple of weeks and try to understand how great men faced fear. St. John 14 verse 27 implies to us that we have the ability to regulate our hearts, to regulate our emotions. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We can have influence over what we let our heart be or let what our heart becomes. But what do we do when the biochemical side of us kicks in and the glands are working, but we still find that we're overwhelmed? When you've done everything, you know, when the Bible says, having done all to stand, stand. When you feel that you have done everything that you should, but you still find yourself struggling. I got some great news for you. God knew this about mankind. He knew that even though he had made you intricately and accurately, there would be seasons of your life where physically and biochemically you would not be able to deal with certain situations. God has a remedy for your struggle. Just turn to someone or, or text someone and say to them that someone you know is going through a hard time. They're a great man or woman of God, but you, you need to remind them right now that God has a remedy for your struggles. Psalm 18 verse 16 to 17 says, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those that hated me, for they were too strong for me. You see, sometimes it is pride that causes us not to actually be congruent and to actually recognize I'm fearful. Just like I was in that hospital at that moment, up until then, I had faith that could move mountains, but at that moment, when my mind began to shift, I felt fear like it was a person that was holding me. And the psalmist had the humility to say that there was a season where he needed help from above. It is imperative that you don't sit there right now saying you don't need God, that you can do everything by yourself, or you can just read a few books and it will be fine. There comes a time when everyone needs divine intervention. And one of the ways in which divine intervention comes, it comes through the breaking of the soul. That's why the psalmist said that the one thing that God would never ever despise, he says a broken and a contrite heart, God will never despise. And that is why critically, you will often find that you are more open to divine intervention when your soul has been broken. Maybe we need to reach that place where we recognize God, if you 
don't intervene, I don't know what I will do. Psalm 61 verse 2, which has become the basis for a great song, it says, when my heart is overwhelmed, when I've done everything that I know cognitively, when I've done everything that I know to regulate the fear and anxiety, and it's still there, I need to be led to one that is higher than I. When I've done everything, when I've spoken to everyone and tried everything, I need to be led to the rock that is higher than I. So I want us, with the time that we have left, to take a fresh look at one of the giants of Scripture. One of the the giants that literally our faith stems from. A man called Abraham. Let's look at Genesis chapter 12 and let's read from verses 1 to 2. Genesis 12 verses 1 to 2. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What an incredible calling. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will empower you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Not only a repository of the blessing, but you will literally be a resource through which all the families of the earth will be blessed. What impact did this calling have on the life of Abraham? What kind of man did he become? Because it's very easy to just tap into the incredible displays of faith that he had as a result of God saying, look, this is who you are. This is going to be your impact. But let's look a little bit closer at his life. The first thing that we see is that because of a famine, Abraham ends up going down to Egypt. Now, you'll notice there are times when you read about Abraham, he's Abraham, and there's times when he's Abraham, and that's because of a covenant change. So he goes down to Egypt thinking, look, things are hard here. Maybe if we go to Egypt, me and my wife will be able to get some sustenance. But when he arrives there, he does something very unusual. And he tells his wife, look, what I need you to do is to lie. You're a very beautiful woman, 
And when we arrive amongst Egyptians, I want you to tell them that you're not my wife, but you are my sister. Now, what was behind the lie? What was the force, what was the catalyst for a man that's just been commissioned, a man that's just been told, you're going to be a world changer even after your departure. Your legacy is going to change families. What would it be? I want to suggest to you that behind the lie was fear. Genesis 12 verses 12 to 20 tells us that he was fearful that if he didn't lie, the Egyptians were going to kill him. What's behind your fear? What's what's been the catalyst for it? Did that fear begin to come upon you when you suddenly got a revelation of the magnitude of what God has actually called you to be and the things that he's called you to do. And everyone around you expects you to be doing cartwheels and jumping up and you're saying to yourself privately, God, this is bigger than me. You know, Lord, I could just about handle being an ambassador to my family, but now you're talking about my life having implications for generations. You're now talking about my actions releasing something through which all the families of the earth would be blessed. And Abraham had a fear. Somewhere along the line, someone's going to kill me. The Bible tells us That following this, he had a tremendous experience of victory over these kings that came, these four kings that came and captured uh, the king of Sodom and his nephew Lot. And, you know, you would think that that would be it. You know, I've seen how God has delivered me worked through my servants, given us tremendous victories, possibly even against the odds. But God knew what was really going on in Abraham. And I want to pause here. I just wonder whether you have a twin. (laughs) I wonder if, ostensibly, publicly, there's the person that appears to be well, the person that appears to be managing responsibility, you know, the great father and the great mother, the great preacher, the great evangelist, the great missionary, but privately, like Abraham, you said to someone, I've got a fear. I can imagine, and I'm just postulating here that Privately, he's saying to his wife, look, you know, everyone is calling me the father of many nations. Everyone is looking up to me. But do you know what? Do you know what, Sarah? I'm, I'm, I'm fearful. And I need you to, 
Help me with my fear. I don't want you to tell anyone, but wherever we go, I need you to lie because I can't get this fear out of my head. I know God has promised to do incredible things through me. He even said that, you know, he would curse those that would try to curse me, but within me, within my humanity, there's this fear. And we recognize in Genesis 15, verse 1, even after this victory, God speaks to Abraham again. He says, listen, Abraham, I know everyone else may not be aware of your fear because to everyone else, you're my boy. (laughs) You're a spiritual giant. But I want to tell you something, Abraham. Genesis 15, verse 1. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I want to say to you this morning, do not be afraid. I know fear is there, but don't let it dominate you. Don't let it create a caricature over you. Don't let it form you or morph you into someone that you don't recognize. Abraham, I'm speaking to you again. Do not be afraid. Whatever your name is, whatever you do, you could be a preacher, you could be a teacher. I want to speak to you. Do not be afraid. Just turn to someone and say, don't be afraid. God is your shield. Why would God be emphasizing that he's your shield? Because God knew the reason why he was lying was because he had this fear that someone was going to kill him. The Bible tells us as time went on, Abraham became a father through Hagar, But he knew that there was still this promise because God had promised a son through his union, not with Hagar. That wasn't the promised seed. It would be with his wife, Sarai. Now think about it. God had said to him, don't fear. God had said to him, look, I want to address this fear. I am your shield. I will protect you. And still, after all that, when he goes down to Gerar, he lies again to King Abimelech about Sarai being his sister rather than his wife. Because you've got to recognize, loved ones, that fear is one of those things that will wrestle with you night and day, but we've got to take dominion over it. Why was this a repetitive narrative? What was it about? He's a great man. He's a man of God. But why was it that there was this repetitive narrative of fear in his life? Genesis 20 verse 11, he says, I lied because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will kill me on the account of my wife. That's what he said when he went down to Egypt. And Genesis 12 verse 12 um, 12 to 13, he says, they will kill me, but they will let you live. So he says, when he went down to Gerar, I was afraid they would kill me. When he went down to Egypt, 
I was afraid they would kill me. He's saying the same thing regardless of the place that he found himself in. So we need to ask the question, what was the catalyst for this fear? How, what, what triggered it? And as we start to look closely at the scriptures, we find the answer. And Abraham begins to reveal that, you know, when this fear started to raise its ugly head, it was when God called me. Let me read it to you, Genesis 20, verse 13. It says, it came to pass when God calls me. This is Abraham speaking, look into the word. It came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house. It all started when God called me and said, leave your land, leave your nation, leave your father's house. That I said to my wife, every place where we go, please say of me that this man is my brother. I need to pause here. Have you realized that this particular fear that you might be fighting and wrestling with, it was assigned to you from the moment you said yes to Jesus. From the moment you said, Lord, I will go to nations. From the moment you said, yes, I will be a history maker. From the moment you said, I'm willing by your spirit to be a pioneer, to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to leave my nation, leave my natural surroundings, just to be obedient to you. And at that moment, this is what Abraham is saying, from that moment where God caused me to respond to the call, it wasn't just a mantle that came on me. There was a fear that started to come after me. Glory to God. I just want to deal with something right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as that, as that anointing was activated, as that mantle came on you, do you remember what happened with Jesus? The Bible says immediately as he was baptized, as the Spirit of God came upon him, he was driven into the wilderness to have a titanic confrontation with the enemy but I want to say to you right now that greater is he that is in you there is a strength that is in you there is an anointing there is an enablement in you and regardless of the assignment of the enemy that has been ordered after you you are an overcomer resist the devil and he must flee. Resist fear. Abraham realized that this lie started when God called him. When God began to connect him with his destiny. But when you start to read from Genesis 21, 
you start to recognize a seismic change in the life of Abraham. And I was reading, I think, Lord, something changed because after this, he never lied again. And you know what it was? It was the birth of Isaac. You see, one of the things that will break, I feel the presence of God so sorry, one of the things that's going to break that fear is the manifestation of the promise. Isaac was the promise. Ishmael wasn't the promise. And sometimes the, the reason why we, we, we hold on to that fear because we think maybe something's going to sabotage you. I know what God has said and, you know, every time I go to do good, evil presents itself and every time I think that I'm close to my breakthrough, something dismantles it. But from the moment that Isaac was born, he said, you know what? The devil is a liar because the very thing that God had promised me, the seed that he promised me, I can now see it. It's manifested. I can touch it. I can embrace it. And I want you to know that God is not a man that he should lie. So what happens from the moment you see Isaac born, you never hear him lie again. Abraham had fear, but he didn't allow fear to lead him into unbelief regarding the birth of his Isaac. Don't allow fear to cause you to miss your birth. The birth of a promise. The manifestation of the miracle. Don't, don't allow it to happen. Romans 4 verse 20 to 21 gives us an insight on how his approach to his Isaac was completely different to how he dealt when he went down to Egypt and when he went down to Gerar. Romans chapter 4 verse 20, 21 says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced or persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Do you know, what I've shared with you may sound controversial, but I want to say to you this. Abraham was a great man, but he had that passenger called fear. And you see, being great doesn't mean that fear will not follow you. Say it again. Being great doesn't mean that fear will not follow you. Let's just rehearse this. Genesis 12 verse 4, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Romans 11 verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. Romans 4 verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was accounted or credited to him for righteousness. He did all of this with fear. 
while he was still believing God, while he was still journeying, while he was still standing on God's word, there was a part of his life, a part of his soul, where every now and then, fear was speaking. In the presence of faith, fear still existed in the life of Abraham. In the presence of faith, it was still there. But you see, the difference is, is that fear did not have dominion over him. And that may sound controversial, but it's important for you to know that as a human, there is a fear that is part of your makeup. But it doesn't have to have dominion over you. And maybe you're thinking, how is it possible that I've had this fear in this area of my life, I've been strong in others, how is it that I've still been able to do so much for God? And it's simply called grace. His grace has been sufficient to keep. Fear did not stop the fulfillment of the promise. Can you say that with me? Fear will not stop the fulfillment of the promise. Say it one more time. Fear will not stop the fulfillment of the promise. Here was a great man who had fear and faced fear. I want to close with just a thought from a man that we know, not from the Bible, who spent decades in prison, fighting for a cause, standing up to a regime that ostensibly was terrifying, murderous at times. I'm sure you've gathered what I'm talking about Nelson Mandela. And just something that he said that I want to just bring to you as a kind of background before I pray. And Nelson Mandela said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. I want to say to you right now that even though you are a great man and you're a great woman, you have the ability to still fulfill purpose and destiny. You may find that there's certain aspects of that fear, and please hear my heart, when I've gone through the scriptures, there's certain aspects of that fear that may not totally dissipate, but it will never stop you from fulfilling your purpose. It will never have dominion over you, even though there are times when your humanity cries out, saying, God, how can these things be? How are you gonna make a way? Conquer it, overcome it, triumph over it. In Jesus' name. May God bless you. 
I look forward to hearing from you. If there's anyone that is facing overwhelming fear, your greatness is not in question. It's just your humanity that needs encouragement. God bless you in Jesus' name.